everybody this is jj outlaw and she outlaw and we are back as <laughs> the co-host of the gourmet goober podcast so this is usually the part of the show where we introduce ourselves and tell us where the fun is on social so for now you can find me on twitter and i say for now because you know twitter's on fire right now we don't even know if it's going to exist by the time this drops but let's just pretend it does. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at JJ Outlaw and on Instagram at Gourmet Goober. And it's always, I am here with my BFF, my traveling partner, that dude, <laughs> all around man of international leisure as of now. <laughs> yeah, because you've been overseas. You're an international man now. You, you've become distinguished. <laughs> Is that what this gray hair is for? Yes. <laughs> My hubby, T. Alcohol, a.k.a. Big Daddy. How's it going? T. Alcohol? <laughs> did I say that? I was like, uh, <laughs> have we been, uh, did we sip a little something on <laughs> little grandma's uh, cough syrup there? Hey, you're the one who had the pint in overseas, okay? I had nothing. <laughs> Allegedly. No. Allegedly. No, T. Outlaw. How's it going? <laughs> it's just going well. Uh, you can find me on social media uh, for now <laughs> as Tiala, T-O-U-T-L-A-W, on Twitter and on Instagram at Tiala Josie Wells, like the movie. You can drop us a line at thegourmetcooper at gmail.com. Please do. You can catch us on Facebook, although... I will tell you, even though I have a new job writing for social media, I actually really hate Facebook. But if you're so inclined, you can find me, or us rather, at the Gourmet Goober blog. Why? Because the Gourmet Goober started the blog back in 2013, and you can still catch us as the Gourmet Goober podcast and food blog at thegourmetgoober.com. That's right, baby. For all of you Real Housewives of Atlanta fans, we are worldwide. <laughs> You'll know what that means. <laughs> yeah. If you know, you know. Right, Marlo? You know, you know. <laughs> so, as we said, <laughs> as we're recording this right now, um, rumor has it that Elon Musk has officially locked down the headquarters of Twitter. You know, by next week, Twitter is just going to be like a fireworks <laughs> joint or a spirits Halloween, right? It'll be like the uh what was it on the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote? It was like the Acme uh um social media company. Oh yeah, it'll be like an Acme warehouse or something. Yes. So if you might open up your Twitter app and press a button and you may not know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna all fan out together. Cause didn't he like send out an email that said Dude, we're going to take it to Twitter 2.0 and we're going to get real extreme. So if you want long hours and little appreciation <laughs> and our, and there goes my phone. <laughs> Sorry. Well, guess we found it. <laughs> yes, we did. It was not under the dog. <laughs> but if you want long hours and stuff, yeah, go ahead and, you know, press yes. But if not, you get three months severance. And this is after he laid off half the company. So those people were like, all right, well, we got those three months and experience at Twitter. We're going to be all right. You're the one who spent $44 million 
<laughs> to blow the place up. Did he pay $44 million or $44 billion? I think $44 million. There's no way he paid $44 billion. Well. <laughs> okay. Somehow, someway, keep coming up with new crap every single day. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I find that kind of interesting that everything has kind of become so quickly a very big dumpster fire. I don't know how to take this. I don't think he knows either, which is why he's blowing the place up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sad, really, because Twitter is sort of, I know for a lot of people they that I know, they tend to stay off of Twitter because they're like, oh, it's kind of like shouting into, like, this ether. And, you know, there are so many places that unfortunately are not safe spaces, which is true of any social media app that you find, but... I don't know. I've just met some really cool people on Twitter. I have um, made some really awesome friends off of Twitter. My career, I, I owe my career now to Twitter, actually. After years of trying to get out of working in sales, which I was really good at, but I really hated. Um, finding myself um, working when I was working over at Dishcrawl. Remember, it was yeah. Twitter that got us on television. It was Twitter that led to my writing career. So I owe so much to the platform. And to me, to see it all go down, um, it's sad. Plus, if you think about it, the phenomenon of Black Twitter, just sort of the unification process that takes place. And for you, especially for someone who works in media, Twitter used to be a very reliable place in order to get information. Now, everyone, anyone with eight bucks can literally just buy like a verification. And unfortunately, a lot of people have people who who unfortunately are not people we should listen to legitimately. And it's just, you know, part of my French, but it's turned into a giant clusterfuck. So, yeah, rest in peace, Twitter. It may or may not be there. If we are down by the time this podcast is or posts, just know I've started looking into other social media sites, including I know that there's Mastodon that everyone's talking about. Okay. I'm not really sure about Mastodon, though. Mastodon seems like you have to have like a PhD in order to sign up for it and find a server. And, and then you have to hunt and peck and look for other people. And then I'm reading resources from people of color who tried to get on Mastodon that it's not really a safe place for people of color. And so they have to like really watch what they say on there. Otherwise they get in trouble. And which is really sad because that's one of the best parts about, you know, Twitter. It was the fact that, you know, especially for black and brown and indigenous people, it really was like the world's water cooler where we can all get together and just clown on each other as we do best <laughs> with and on each other. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, I, I, I think that we, uh, okay, maybe, I don't know if I was ever invited to Black Twitter and hopefully Black Twitter will ne not come looking for me, but I think uh, if, if you're an influencer or someone who's, who has knowledge of things out there, this would be a good time for us as the, the community 
you know, for all of us to come together under one umbrella, you know, and kind of take Black Twitter to our own little spaces. Yeah, we and did I, that once. It was called Black Planet. Yeah. <laughs> so you think like Black Planet is what you're saying. Basically. And again, for our listeners who don't know what Black Planet is, I'm not going to go into it. It's one of those things that's in the family that everyone knew about. Google is free. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to move on. I think we are. Is that the train? I think it is. Dude, really? Ah, the perils of recording at home. (laughs) Well, we are back. (laughs) And with all the things that comes with it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And apparently we forgot any home training. Our phones are going off. The train's going off. Big Daddy's eating Doritos. We acted like we never recorded a podcast before. Hey, take it easy on me. I'm impaired. Yeah, that is true. You, one of the reasons why we had to move the recording to Thursday is that I started a new job, which I'll go over in just a sec. But Big Daddy also... It had to see the eye doctor today, and whenever that happens, things are a little askew sometimes. So, we're going to go and power ourselves through this because we're excited to drop this podcast on the 17th. And <laughs> we have a lot to discuss because, dude, we have been gone a long time. We have. Oh my gosh. So, where do we start first? Um, basically, in a nutshell, since we've last been on the mic. We went to London, had a great time, found myself in the emergency room, which <laughs> I'll discuss at a later episode of The Gourmet Goober. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Came back, started a new job, which was fabulous. Job working with and writing for a large corporation in social media. That's all I'll say. And of course, Twitter is going down. <laughs> you know, one of the major parts of my job. Woohoo! Yes. <laughs> we also took a trip to Wakanda. Yes, yes. We saw you guys the new Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And let me just say it was a moment. It was a moment. I, I <clears throat> The first Black Panther, first of all, I can't even tell you how many times I saw the first Black Panther. It 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 was really masterful and of course we lost the Black Panther being Chadwick Boltzmann. Um, and so we we had to go and see how, you know, Ryan Coogler would do it after the passing of his star. It was an incredible movie. We t- we loved it so much that we are actually releasing not one, but two bonus episodes dropping next week. So when you're tired of your family for Thanksgiving and you you, you want to get away from... You know, your Uncle Charlie and his ridiculous conspiracy theories. Come on over. You can listen to not one, but two bonus episodes of the Gourmet Goober podcast, where one will talk about our trip to London. We'll break down the trip, how I wound up in the emergency room. (laughs) Actually, two emergency rooms, I'll have you know. Yes, I think that's a record. (laughs) Within a 26-hour period? Yes, Two emergency rooms within a 26-hour period. And that's after I dragged my my ass and my leg all over London. 
But I'm proud of that, actually, because that shows I'm a badass. Because I'm sorry, nothing was going to keep me away from that double decker high tea ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> I paid for that. <laughs> I wanted to see Royals, damn it. <laughs> but then we also are doing a separate episode, dropping a separate episode next week of Black Panther's um, Wakanda Forever. Just to let you guys know, there is lots of spoilers, like tons of it. We're just going to spoil the shit out of that movie. So <laughs> do not listen to the episode unless you've seen the movie. You had a week. Yeah, you had a week. We we decided we were going to drop it this week, but we're like, nah, we're going to give everybody a chance to get caught up with the black signal. <laughs> do I need to explain that? No, no. You know, maybe let us stay in the ether. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, so we kind of wanted to give everybody a week. But then it was such an incredible movie, and there's so much to unpack. Like, we're still talking about it like a, a week later, because we saw it on opening night, because of course we did. Yeah, I basically, it was funny, I get to set my own schedule um, at my job. And I'm like, I'm going to be needing this time off on November the 11th, because... I got things to do. <laughs> I got some things. <laughs> but it turns out my boss, it's just as a side note, my boss is just as much of a Marvel nerd, if not more than I am. Dude, every year she puts up a separate tree that has Marvel characters on it. She has a Marvel tree. Think about that. My little Loki that you gave me, it could have his own tree. Silence. <laughs> Big Daddy hates Loki. Did I tell y'all that? <laughs> but yes. <laughs> so we are dropping that. That's your sad attempt at static. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, though, um, before we go any further... I, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you guys for everyone who reached out during our hiatus and say, yo, where are you? <laughs> We're looking for your show or have very kindly retweeted it or reposted or shared, you know, when we announced that we're coming back again. The thing is that when we started the Gourmet Goober, what now, three years, almost four? Have we been doing this almost four years? What at? women we have well i'm just asking because this is the third year of the podcast right yes going on i mean the third year going on four years yeah so basically like in different world years yeah i'm, I'm pretty much I'm, I'm a senior year at this not only that but we have been doing you know our blog which the podcast started off on the food blog itself since 2013 and for the majority of the time that we've been doing it, it's just been a labor of love, right? It's just two people. Um, this isn't our full-time job. We have full-time gigs. And because of that, the job that we do um, with the podcast and all the connections and all the great people that we've had a chance to meet, like Ariel, Ariel from the Food Truck Scholar, um, we've done that on our own time just because we just love the format and we've had a lot of fun together. 
this is sort of like our way of guaranteeing that we have time to spend together. We're a couple. We've been married for a very long time. <laughs> and, you know, we just feel really blessed to invite you guys on to our crazy conversations that we have, you know, once a week or whatever. So um, occasionally as life happens and because this is not our main financial responsibility, we may unfortunately find ourselves taking hiatuses um, unexpectedly because life happens, right? You know, other responsibilities come up. But we will always promise that we'll make sure to let you guys know when things happen um, because you've been really grateful in letting us know that you're interested. And no, we don't share everything. <laughs> There's stuff going on in our lives that you are not privy to. But that said, you know, this is kind of a really special little place that we've kind of created what we affectionately call Gooberland. And we are... Although we didn't expect to take the hiatus that we did, because, you know, who thinks they're going to wind up in an international emergency room on a life, Mm. a trip that they expect to take to London? (laughs) Although I have to say, and let me just take a moment, you know, obviously I'll go into more detail on the podcast. I do want to say that even though what happened was scary... I'm perfectly fine. What brought me to the emergency room was sort of a bizarre set of circumstances. Um, But the trip itself was amazing. And we got to see a lot of cool things and things like that. I say that because I've referenced emergency room. So I want you guys to know I'm fine before the episode drops. But yeah, um, we kind of surprised ourselves how long the hiatus was. Although it was much needed because, as you can imagine, starting a new job, traveling internationally, processing all of that. Um, prepping for Black Panther. Prepping for Black Panther, that was its own thing. Like I said, life happens. <laughs> but whenever possible, we promise to bring you guys along for the journey. you have anything you want to add to that? Okay, so basically, I, I won't call it a hiatus, but this little time was... Uh, Basically, yeah, part of it was the trip, and part of it was the recovery from the trip. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, because I needed time to kind of, like, get my ish together. That uh, jet lag thing is real, especially when you have a long-haul flight. That was yes. nuts. <laughs> True. So, yeah, it was uh, just a matter of, uh, you know, getting back in the swing of things, and then uh, just trying to, I don't know, get ourselves back to normalcy and then moving forward so uh but i am glad to be back and hope we're hopefully we are on a regular schedule yes um so that said we are just really just happy to take this moment you know to kind of explain to you guys in a very quick way (laughs) what happened um I don't even think that's everything. I mean, when you throw in the BS around around our community with the election and the fear that (laughs) we are going to get infiltrated by people who are not as friendly to us, (laughs) considering where we live. Yeah, not everybody that looks like you may be for you. Oh, yeah. Not not all skin folk are kin kin folk. (laughs) Yeah. There was... 
never mind. I don't even know how to. You know what? I would talk about it, but I'm not even sure how to talk about it. No, because we're kind of still in that climbing and you just don't know what's <laughs> around every corner. Yeah, I do know, though. Well, okay, let me just summarize because I know people are listening are like, what the hell? So basically, during the election, dude, that train. Oh my God, just out of nowhere. Hopefully I can edit out and post, but if not, everyone listening is just going to get an earful. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that is life when you don't have a big production studio and you record at home. But, you know, some of my favorite podcasts, like, I've listened to and they have, like, traffic in the background. So we're just going to ask all of you guys to just... Bear with us. Bear with us. <laughs> so... Yeah, so basically, in a nutshell, for those of you who followed the past election and they talked about people visiting communities as a way to dissuade people from voting or to try to convince people to vote a certain way, there was sort of fear that that may have happened in our little neck of the woods. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was rather stressful <laughs> to the point where we had to make plans as to what happened if that did happen. Yes. <laughs> Which is sad that we we live in a community that that's a thing. Or live in a world, rather, where that's a thing. But unfortunately, it is what it is. Although, as it turned out, <laughs> the only person we met was our congressman. Who <laughs> surprisingly met us there. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of weird and unexpected. <laughs> but then it was that random guy that we've never met before who checked us in. We kind of gave him the side eye. Ah, like, uh, yes. That 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 fellow. Yeah. yeah we, we were trying to make sure <laughs> that he was there to check us in but not check up on us. Right. <laughs> you know, to make sure that we, you know, to just persuade it was sad. It was a couple. But you know what? Honestly, from looking at him, I think he was actually afraid of those old black women who worked the polls over there. At one point, I was giving the guy my name and he said something and the lady's like, no, no. She did one of those old, old black women in churches where they put thing where they put their hand on your shoulder like, no, baby. Mm-mm. <laughs> no, you don't do that. <laughs> No, baby, just come on over there and just just have some cornbread. Yeah, it was it was two steps away from bless your heart. Yes. <laughs> so I think we're gonna be okay. <laughs> but yeah, there were some tense moments when we voted. Um gosh, what else happened? Oh, and Halloween. Halloween happened. And I know you're wondering why that's the case. For those of you who are longtime listeners of the Gourmet Goober, you know that Halloween is sort of a fraught issue here at our house, where every year we don't want to eat the candy. So I try to go out and buy the shittiest candy known to man and to give it out to the kids. So that way, if we have leftover candy, the plan was for Big Daddy to dump said candy at his job. But people, I think, caught on to him because eventually... Like, the only candy left in the community candy bowl was the crappy candy that we bought. <laughs> and every year you have to go through, like, oh, my God, I have no idea where that candy came from. 
ooh, who pressed that? Even though you know it was you. Yes. So now that we're working from home, we can't do that anymore because then we'd be stuck with an awful candy. And yeah. I know I could throw it away, but then that's wasteful. And, you know, I was taught not to do that. We still never figured out where exactly did the candy go. What candy? Oh, you mean the good candy that I fought this year? Yes. I'm not telling you. <laughs> Is this still on the premises? Maybe. <laughs> so So this year I bought really good candy and then no one came to the house but these one set of kids. The one time I decided to do it because we work from home. And, yes, the good candy may still be in the premises. Okay. <laughs> Big Daddy is just learning this on the mic. So let's watch his response. The way the story goes, <laughs> for, you know, to catch everybody up, is the concept of, very quickly, what happens is, um, because the goober does not want me uh, as the type 2 diabetic in the house to, uh, you know, involve himself with, like, eating all the candy, what she will do is that she will buy the crappiest candy known to man. We're talking about, like, you know, the really crappy candy that they put in the piñatas that, you know, like, truly the ones that, like, have no words on them. They just have, like, Chinese letters or Mexican, you know, candy. And pretty much my thing is, uh, I, it has never stopped me from eating it. But uh, at the same time, we get the, get the candy that's so crappy that literally, like, no one wants it. And I try to hide it somewhere. Um, like, you know, I try to take it to work somewhere. But since I work remotely now, um, that is not a thing. So this year, she got slightly better candy. Yes. And uh, very quickly, like, uh, this year... For some reason, we only had, like, a couple of visitors. So, right now, there's you, allegedly candy in this house. Are you literally just retelling the story I just told? <laughs> I think you're just mad that there's candy. I think candy. you told it wrong. <laughs> it's been a while. That's what I've been on the mic. <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, pretty much... Uh, Allegedly, there's candy in the house, and uh, I thought she dumped it off to the neighbors, but she did not. So now it becomes my scavenger hunt. Maybe. Well, one, as I found out, the neighbors didn't want the candy. So Wait, you... the neighbors didn't want the candy? No. Wow. <laughs> so it really was crappy candy. Well, it's not. Okay. You remember when you were kids and you went trick-or-treating, right? And there are, like, different layers of candy. So you get your bag of candy at home. And then you sort them out. And, you know, like, the top-tier candy is the stuff you really like. So for me, it was... The full candy bars that everybody got. Well, okay. Only the heck of thorns gave away full candy bars. But I'm just going to say chocolate in general. Okay, so anything chocolate, and I mean real chocolate, right? Not like that fake-ass chocolate like Tootsie Rolls or hey, Whoppers man. or things like that. No, I'm talking real chocolate. That's like tier one. And then maybe tier two would be like 
you know, the Nowlators, the full Jolly Ranchers back when Jolly Ranchers used to be sticks instead of the little things they give away now. Um, and then I was crazy, so I really went through a phase where I really liked sweet tarts. I can't mm-hmm. stand them now. But sweet tarts would be in tier two. And then you would get all the way to like the lower bottom tier and it would be like Tootsie Rolls because you get all excited because you think they're chocolate, but they're not. Um, black licorice, licorice would be in that list. Um, that black licorice gum that used to be really popular. I'm old enough to have received candy cigarettes as a, as a candy treat. That really weird thing that you kind of dip your candy stick in that's like Kool-Aid that's unflavored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that went in there too. So basically, we have like a lower tier of candy. So you're saying D-list candy. Yes, we have D-list candy. So not quite as bad as like the candy that went in the piñata that we normally give. Mm. But apparently bad enough that other parents and grandmamas will reject it, even though it's free to give to their grandchildren. We have D-list candy, exactly. Which now tells the world that I have D-list candy taste. Yeah, because I bought it thinking, there's no way that Big Daddy would like this. But then during Halloween, I saw that you came and kept sneaking it back. But then again... I shouldn't be surprised that you like D-list candy because, dude, you also like circus peanuts. That is D-list candy if I've ever tried it. Okay. Circus peanuts. I also like candy corn. Yes, exactly. So I should have known that you would want to look for it if I told you. Yeah, but it also had, like, didn't you bring some double bubble or something up in the space? Yes, double bubble is perfect example of D-list candy. Because everyone knows that you could take two bites of double bubble, like two chews, and then all the flavors out. That's specifically why I bought it. Because I was thinking no one in hell, other than little kids who are fooled by that, would want bubble, double bubble. The only thing that's worse than double bubble is Bazooka Joe. Because not only does bubble, bu- not only bubble. does Bazooka Joe loses its flavor when you chew it, mm-hmm. but on top of that, it's hard as hell. So it's like getting that first chew is like chewing through concrete. And then when you finally work yourself to that first two chews, then all the flavor is gone. And then on top of that, the insult injury, you usually have that bland ass comic that comes with it. That's not funny. So to be fair, I was looking for Bazooka Joe. It could have been worse. Okay. So (laughs) once again, I had the the D-lister here. Would like to say, at least in defense of Double Bubble and uh, Bazooka Joe, I, I, I can't I can't defend the comments. It, it, it was very hit or miss. The comments were lame. Anyway, um, but with Double Bubble and, and Bazooka Joe, like that type of gum, sometimes what you almost have to do is you uh, you chew one, get about two chews in. And then you say, oh, I'm starting to lose flavor. So I'll double it up. So that means I put in two. But then you'll be stuck with a mouthful of gum. And in about two seconds, it's all lots of flavor. Yeah, but then you get to do this crazy. Well, I don't know if you can really do a Bazooka Joe, but you can do a double bubble. So you can then start doing 
double bubble. So you can have this big wire gum and you can just make all these crazy things of, of like blowing bubbles. But you don't know how to blow a bubble. Oh, I got over that quickly. Since we've been married? Yes. When did you learn how to blow a bubble with bubble gum? Last couple of years. Because he did not know how to do that, folks. Oh, I've been doing some stuff on the down low. Okay. With have... bubble gum. Mm -mm. We're going to have to talk about that off mic. <laughs> with bubble gum, yo. Sure. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I'm, I'm a, you know, GGG kind of girl. So you do you. <laughs> I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> but seriously. <laughs> Yes, we have D-list candy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and to be honest, I've been kind of sneaking it the last couple of weeks when you're not looking. I'm actually surprised you haven't found it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is it behind the dog food? No. Oh, man. Okay. When we get off mic, he's going to destroy our house looking for this candy. I bet you anything. Next time we're on mic, Big Daddy's going to be like, well, I found it after removing all the books and stuff. Wait a minute. It's behind the bookcase, isn't it? No, it's not. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to put in some work. You will never find it. By the next time this episode drops, you, I'm, 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 mm. no. I'm going to get, I'm going to get that, I'm going to get that candy. Because one, I think I found a place that I can donate the candy to. Because I've been slowly looking because I, I, I broke down and bought a lot of candy, or so I thought. And then only one set of kids came up. Had I known they were only people coming, dude, they could have they could have made out like bandits here. Yeah, but they were rejected because it was D-less candy. No, they were like little kids. They didn't know. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> that was a good point. When they get to be about eight or nine, they're that way that they're a little bit more choicey with their candy consumption although the kids around here are polite so they probably not going to tell you to your face that you're candy booty no they're, yeah. they're just going to egg the house no we haven't been egged yet all yep. the bad candy that we've given out we haven't been egged yet I, I think we're past that <laughs> okay we stayed above the fray with the you know we didn't get the piano can so we're safe yes and you will never ever find where I hid the candy because you pass it every day and you don't even know. Wait a minute. I have a whole ass dog over here. He doesn't know where the candy is. He's like a bloodhound when he looks for stuff. Really? Okay, when he <laughs> wants to. <laughs> have you met our dog? <laughs> okay, we have a cat. <laughs> he doesn't care either. Neither one of them. Yeah, but he likes to... The cat at least likes to get into stuff, so... I have ways, as they say. I, you know, I have a certain set of skills. If left to our own devices, we just randomly find things. So, yeah, I think by time and circumstance, maybe I'll have a, a chance at it. So, I I wouldn't bet on that. <laughs> so anyway, now that we've kind of bare our souls about our Halloween candy issue. Is there anything else you'd like to add about either our hiatus or 
how things went? <laughs> no, no. Pretty much we are about a week away from Thanksgiving. And I'm about a month, give or take, a little bit, five weeks, we'll say, away from uh, from uh, Christmas. His birthday, because he's a Christmas baby. We don't have to tell everybody that. We've told people before. Okay. Maybe you'll get a full Christmas present. I, I know I won't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the, that's the crappy part about Grant, like, getting old. So, uh, <laughs> before we move on, let's just say this once and for all. For all the people that, that ask me the question, I'm just going to go ahead and say it now to, just to get it out of the way. Okay, that was cute when you were a little kid. And you say, okay, so do you get both Christmas presents and birthday presents? When I was a little kid, sometimes, yes, I did get, like, you know, Christmas gifts and birthday gifts, all the same. But then what started to happen was you started getting the combo gift. And then you started getting less than combo gifts. You would just get, hey, happy birthday, Merry Christmas. And they would just say it. So now I'm just like, I'm happy I get a gift. Oh, and I would also like to say for the record, the one the one thing that, that just drives me nuts about Christmas, um, you never get to have a birthday party with your friends. Because they're always with their families doing something. Hey, before the pandemic, we threw unbirthdays for you. True. That is true. I did get unbirthdays when I could, you know, like when they would come up. But I never got a straight up birthday party. The only times I ever got like true birthday parties when I was a little kid was only with my family. And that was when I was younger. Um, But no, I never got. That is the one thing I never got was like, you know, when you got like the birthday parties where all your like little friends come over and mm-hmm. I, I was too old for bouncy houses and all that other stuff. But yeah, like I never got like a birthday party with friends. I always got them like, you know, when I was younger, like with family. And now it's just like, hey, you know, it's uh, Christmas and hey, it's your birthday. So... We're just going to have Christmas dinner, and then um, we're just going to sing happy birthday to you, and then we're just going to move on. So, that was about, and every, and I have to go get my own cake. Now, that is the only thing that is crappy about Christmas. But I am very blessed to have a, I'm sorry, a year, every year, every year I can go to Christmas and, like, survive. Um... You know, see another Christmas is a is a blessing um, by God. But yes, if I had a festivus to grieve about, you know, the things that grieve me, yeah, those are the few things that I have a problem with on Christmas. So, which is why you go to festivus so you can air out your grievances. Yes, and then have potloaf. Oh no, not pot meatloaf because that's the official food of festivus. Oh, I did not know this. Yeah, it's either meatloaf or spaghetti. Oh man, we need to we need to consider this. <laughs> yeah, but then that required me to make a meatloaf, and my my meatloaf is tragic. I admit that. I like your meatloaf. <laughs> anyway, so on that note, I think we've reached a nice point to just take a break. So when we come back, we'll get the show back on track and talk about three stories 
that meet the nexus of food and pop culture. And oddly enough, this week, they're all about one company. <laughs> so take your guesses as to who we're going to be discussing. I'm loving it. <laughs> and you're listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast. We will be right back. Hey guys, I'm JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober, and I'm here to share this great new recipe journal from author Gaby Lorano. It's a progressive cooking journal designed for short and simple recipes at the beginning before advancing with spaces for longer recipes as you go. It's colorful, fun, fits easily in the kitchen drawer, and it's perfect for any home cook. Best of all, it has over 100 pages for your most beloved culinary delights. Be sure to get your copy today at Amazon.com. We are back. This is JJ Outlaw. And once again, this is T Outlaw. And we're back with the second segment of the Gourmet Goober podcast called What's Eating Us. This is where we discuss three stories that meet the intersection of food and pop culture. And (laughs) this week, it's sort of funny, actually, because all three stories is about one company that truly fits the very mission statement of who we are like food and pop culture and everyone's talking about them and three very different ways and that company is of course mcdonald's <laughs> not mcdowell's exactly mcdonald's and what's the difference between mcdowell's and mcdonald's well they uh the mcdonald's people have two all beef patties special sauce lettuce cheese Pickle we just sauce got some and, bread. And in you know, the the the, the special sauce as opposed to thousand island dressing, dressing. Even though we're not I'm sorry, allegedly. Plus, McDonald's have the golden arches. We have the golden arcs. <laughs> and for those of you too young to know what we're talking about, um first of all, I, I'm very sad for you. That only comes from Big Daddy's, one of his favorite movies of all time, which is... Coming to America, the yes. original. The original. <laughs> and shout out, by the way, to... What is the restaurant? Oh, the Wiener Circle that every Halloween dresses up as McDowell's. <laughs> Down to the horrible uniforms. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. We should put the Wiener Circle on our list. Okay. Yes. We we can't explain what the list is. We'll yeah. share it within the next year or so. But we're working on something really big. And so the Wiener Circle has to be put on the list. <laughs> Damn right. So anyway, as I said before, oddly enough, when Big Daddy and I, we do our production meeting, we come together with stories that we find that Makes us laugh, makes us think, makes us say, oh, my God. And as luck would have it, this I think this is actually in all of our podcast episodes. This is the first time that all three stories was tied to one company. <laughs> yeah. And Subway and Arby's weren't the ones who screwed up this time. Right. Well, OK, I don't think it's a 
doesn't screw up as much as the dude, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, in the case of the third story, which is oddly enough in our own backyard. And we'll explain that in a moment. So I, I guess we could just kick it off with the thing that has really kind of dominated our time, the first story. Something that Big Daddy is deeply, deeply affected by to the point where I, I got to ask, are, are you like emotionally ready to talk about this? See, um, <laughs> what had happened was I heard this and I had I had a moment. I know we talked earlier in this uh, episode about moments I had, but I had a very deep moment, and I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of toying up right now. Uh, okay. Do you need a tissue? Do you need a seance? Do you need Jesus? <laughs> what no, can I help you to do? Cause we on a we're on a production schedule, right? Yeah, now. I know, but I'm okay. But Jesus, <laughs> Jesus will be taking the wheel at some point. <laughs> well, what Big Daddy's teasing is for those of you who've listened to the show over the years. You've known that Big Daddy, like millions of you out there, is a fan of a particular sandwich put out by McDonald's. That would be the McRib. In fact, we actually talked about that. And I think there's one episode in one of our earlier seasons where we call the return of the McRib, where you kind of dedicate yourself to sharing your deep and unembodied love to the point where I'm kind of wondering if you like the sandwich more than me, your wife. <laughs> No, okay. <laughs> Certainly, you've known the McRib longer. I think that was your argument. <laughs> no, I, I okay. We're, we're pretty close. We're pretty close to even in terms of the length of time that we've known each other. You know, you and me, and me and the McRib. But I think the thing is, like, I only see the McRib like once a year. Like, I see you every damn day. <laughs> Don't make that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 it's not. It's not a bad thing. You know, you kind of stuff it for a minute. I'll, I'll remember that, okay? <laughs> anyway, so the McRib is kind of an acquired taste, in my opinion, right? Um, and if you've never had a McRib sandwich, you know, it, it confuses me. Because it's like an artificially generated rib that's made out of pork. Allegedly. Like, like, it's the most basic of sandwiches. Yes. But you were like, every time there's like a McRib that comes around, you're like, dude, you need to take me to McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're not alone. You're not alone. To the point where over the years since this introduction, the McRib has kind of been like, you know, this fable place that just shows up out of nowhere. Fans even created, like, you can go online and find a McRib finder. So when they do announce it every few years or however often it comes about, you can grab yours. Well, for those of you who probably have watched social media, been on social media or, you know, watched the NBA or things like that, you've probably seen the commercials where McDonald's is now teasing what they're calling the McRib Farewell Tour. Yes. So out for a limited time. Up until November 20th. So by the time our episode drops on the 17th, you have three days left in order to get your hand on this artificial sandwich of goodness. And I say this, okay, 
because Big Daddy has teased me several times because I think I never even tried to make rib until long after we're married. <laughs> yeah. You compare it to when I finally got you to try, um, what was it, Pop-Tarts? Because you were like well in your 40s before you ever had one Pop-Tart, which I think is odd. <laughs> I don't even know how that happens <laughs> in this country. It's like going through life and never having Tang. Well, I guess there's like a whole generation of young people that don't even know why Tang was a, such a big thing back then. Right. Dude, it's a drink of astronauts. That's what they told us. It's a drink of my youth. Now, I never <laughs> said it was great, but... Mm. <laughs> Nevertheless, I've had Tang in Pop-Tarts and you've never had it. And so I, I think we even talked about me trying the McRib live on the air, but something happened and we didn't do it, but... Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, now, to be fair, a lot of people believe that this is publicity stunt. In fact, Food and Wine has a really great story where they talk about whether or not this is truly the end. Um, so first of all, Big Daddy, what does the end of the McRib mean to you? It's kind of like, you know, when Jay-Z talks about, like, you know, retiring and you think that he's done and you keep hoping that, like, well, either he is going to retire and stay retired or he comes back with, like, you know, that ultimate, like, retro album that you're like, okay, it's going to be a banger. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, okay, what does, the Mc, what does the McRib leaving mean to me? Yes. Okay. I, I, I know that, you know, there are some people in the audience that are giggling hearing this, but it's not like I'm going to say the McRib is like, you know, the most awesome, you know, sandwich ever. It's just you get it once, maybe twice, and you're like, okay, that was it. Was like snake on a plane. It's exactly what you expect. <laughs> you know, you just getting what you. It's a Mc, it's a McRib. It's a sandwich from McDonald's. It's not gonna you know blow you away, but it's there. But I think the thing is, to me, it's kind of like how you um um. How you people that don't look like me feel about pumpkin spice. <laughs> oh, wow. So you're comparing it to, like, if Starbucks said tomorrow, we are putting out the pumpkin spice lattes. This is the last time. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> I can my just equivalent. imagine the whole pandemonium. Yeah, like, you know, you would been, fall you even exist. Exactly. <laughs> You'd be watching a whole bunch of L7s, like, you know, losing <laughs> their minds. I would, I, I feel that way about McRib. It's like, it's like drop, you know, that, that, you know, it's, it's the, the farewell tour. You know, like when Jordan was hanging it up and you keep hoping. That's how I feel about the McRib. Hold on, I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> I tell you what, while, while you're gathering yourself. Mm -hmm. let, let us take a moment, if this is truly the last time. Because okay. keep in mind as well, in 2005, McDonald also said that the McRib will be no more and it was on a farewell tour. Now, you may not remember that because that coincided from when we got married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we were busy that year. That's what I'm trying to say. But, you know, just in case you're kind of wondering... Let let us let us just take a moment to honor the McRib if this is truly the last time. 
So first of all, the origin of the McRib, the, according to a really great ret- website that I like called theretroist.com, okay. um, they also have a podcast about it as well. Um, I've never heard the podcast, but I've gone to their website. The McRib, which, again, I'm just going to assume it's a pork product. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure what's in it. <laughs> we never, we don't know. We don't know everything that's in the sausage. We just eat it. Yeah, it, we're, we're just going to accept that. But it would not accept, exist if it not for another McDonald's item, which is, oddly enough, the McNugget. The McRib is actually tied to McNugget. So what actually happened is that the inspiration came from Southern Barbecue. And at the time, they were testing the McRib alongside the introduction of the McNugget. The McNugget became a huge, huge hit. Um, first, okay, so they put out the McNugget first. It became a ginormous mash, and there were shortages and complaints for both customers and franchisees. And so because of this shortage, they had to come up with another product, right? Yeah. Hence the McRib. <laughs> so they would take a pork patty, slap it on a burger bun, and be done with it. But they actually went a further step and actually fashioned it to look like the fabled McRib shape. So, here's the funny part. According to the retroist, there's actually very little rib meat in a McRib. No ribs are involved. Of course, we know that because that shape does not happen naturally in nature. True. That means that no bones and little to no rib meat is included with it. Essentially, it's all shoulder meat. And so it's chopped up, seasoned, and then free-formed to take the shape that looks like a rib back. Yeah, just like a McNugget. Do you think a McNugget actually looks like that in nature? <laughs> well, no. Actually, that's not the case. <laughs> so the first McRib was actually, they gave out samples of it free. And it was offered, in, at that point, 2,000 of McDonald's 5,600 sandwiches. So it was considered test mode, and they tested it for two years. And, of course, the pork's... Um, Pork industry was psyched, right? Because, you know, the whole thing about going to a place like McDonald's, it's all about the burger. Yeah. Now they had a product that was focused on pork. So they were super excited. So by 1983, the offering of the McRib would expand to 3,500 locations. Um, here's the thing. People were trying the McRib. They just weren't keeping buying it. Right. So they just didn't have repeat customers. And so they did whatever they could to try to push this product because the initial testing was so popular. And what they found was that it only attracted like this very small group of people. So by 1984, there was articles that were already out in the industry um, newspapers that the McRib really wasn't cutting the mustard. Sorry, I made it funny. <laughs> you tried. So what they did is eventually decided to get rid of it. But it created such a crazy demand over the years that people were like begging McDonald's, those few people who kept coming back for the McRib. Yeah. They started to beg it. So... <clears throat> What happened was the McRib kind of became this 
thing that became like kind of like a cult classic. In fact, the loyalty to McRib is actually mentioned in an episode of The Simpsons saying I'm spelling as fast as I can. And that's when they skewered it because The Simpsons had a new Krusty Burger that was called the Rib Rich. <laughs> <laughs> so it was their version of the McRib. Okay. <laughs> so eventually fans went online and they started to demand the McRib. And so in 2008, there was actually a site that they created so if you ordered McRib and you've never had a McRib and they want to encourage you, because every so often McDonald's will say like, hey, okay, we'll throw you a bone and we'll give you the McRib. But the McRib locator began as a simple site where people could report and find a McRib because every so often like a rare sandwich, like a rare restaurant yeah. would like bring it back. It wasn't you know nationwide, but then it turned into this huge clearinghouse. And did you know, it even has a Facebook community now, the McRib Finder, with over 15,000 followers. Why am I not part of this? I don't know. <laughs> I'm questioning that myself now, as much as you love the McRib. So there you have it. Over the years, it's been brought back multitude of times where people have really you know, brought it back to life, so to speak. So it's really a fan favorite sandwich that it's kept it going since the 80s, right? Right. So here's the weird thing. So the McRib in the United States has its cult following. But in other countries, the McRib actually comes with different variations. So for example, according to this website in Nicaragua, you can get four types of McRib. The McRib standard, the McRib with onion rings, the McRib with cheese, and the McRib with bacon. Just say what? <laughs> Hold on now. I so was, maybe I we should give them the Nicaragua. <laughs> I might, I might <laughs> talk to my Nicaraguan friends. So is that where we're going next with our passport? It's going to be so embarrassing. Mom and dad. So why are you guys choosing Nicaragua for your vacation? And Thomas is like, I'm trying to make rib with cheese. No, I want to make rib with bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, I, I think I'm going to go get me a McRib right now and uh, I'm going to slap a little bacon on see how that bad boy hit. Well, something tells me that the McRib will probably be in our future at some point within the next three days. So if you're listening to us, it's not yet November 20th and you're one of the thousands of people who have been clamoring over the years. If McDonald's is truly telling the truth, you have until November 20th at midnight in order to enjoy your own sandwich. Yeah, or else it's going to retire like Tom Brady. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking like Cher. Like, you know how Cher has a farewell tour like every few years? That's oh, yeah, that's thing. true. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we were going to play How Do I Say Goodbye to Yesterday, but we don't have that money. So just imagine that in your mind. Yeah, just imagine boys to men getting that in. But <laughs> but yes, Big Daddy, thank you for taking a moment out of your grief in order to discuss this. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to move on. All right, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. So our second McDonald's story is actually something that I read the other day. And like I think I mentioned in the first segment, my new job, I'm, I'm working with a corporation 
um, and working specifically with writing and branding their um, social media. It's a really great gig. I love what I do, but it does require me to read a lot of social media in order to pick up trends. So this is a story that I read recently why I was looking for something um, to, for their Twitter feed. And it got me laughing so hard. Like, I came and got you, right? Like, you were in the office in the other room working like, dude, you got to stop what you're doing. We need this chair. <laughs> and so this is involving McDonald's creation of the perfect chair. Now, they say it's for gaming, but I have to say, the way they describe this chair, it would work perfectly in our office. And for those of you out there who've never, you know, spent time either on the computer, typing away, if you're like an office drone like me, or, you know, if you like have been known to like sit in that spot and play Tekken way too hard for many, many hours at a time, Tekken Tag Team, also me, <laughs> then this is a chair for you. And... I'm talking, of course, about the McCrispy. The McCrispy. The McCrispy. <laughs> so let me just let me just set the scene, okay? Go. So how often have you gamers out there been out there and you've been like hitting it hard? You know, maybe you're playing NBA 2K or, you know, the latest version. And then you suddenly realize that, yo, you've got a hankering for a burger and some fries. But you you don't want to mess up your flow, right? Because, you know, that grease will fuck everything up, right? Yes. Say no more. McDonald's has created their own grease-proof gaming chair, of course, called the McCrispy, which I think is hilarious. A (laughs) grease-proof gaming chair. Yes. Yes. So they're releasing this chair. Um, I, I think they should have called it the Golden Throne, personally, the McCrispy. But, yeah. The McCrispy will only be available in the United Kingdom. And it's tied to the launch of the McCrispy chicken sandwich that they're also launching in the UK. Wait a so, minute, this thing isn't going to be in the US? No. Oh, damn. See? See, I keep telling you, we have to go back to the UK to try to sit on the McCrispy. <laughs> so, the McCrispy Ultimate Gaming Chair, as its complete title, comes with a series of very special... Um, items, if you will. Things that kind of make the McCrispy unique. Now, it included with this chair, which is completely ergonomic, it comes with a fry holder, a drink holder, two dips, because, you know, why are you going to have your fries without a dip now? It has a hot box to keep your McCrispy warm by while gaming. It has a built-in napkin holder, and two reusable napkins with the McCrispy branding. The the leather, because it's all leather, has been treated um, with a special stain proof. So now you can't get grease marks on the chair. So it's like special scotch guard? Yes. Special scotch guard, particularly so you can get your greasy chicken on and not fucking the chair up. And then it has modular armrests to allow users to wrap their McCrispy to different sides. Now, if you've not yet seen the McCrispy, I invite you to go online and check it out. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I personally like the fact that 
because of the, they don't want your burger or your McCrispy sandwich to go cold while you're playing. The hot pot is there's a special heat zone that's designed to keep your sandwiches warm throughout the entire time. So think of it as like a overhead, you know, like when you go to McDonald's and you have like that random heat lamp. Yes, think of it as it's like that. It's kind of built in. And then the fry holder side of the chair has two twin slots to hold out a pair of dipping sauces. And then, of course, like I said, you have the drink holder as well. So it's everything you could ever want in an ergonomic plus chair to get your game on. Or, like I said, I personally think this would be perfect as I'm like working away writing to just have the chair. I agree. Only because it... If you've ever worked in like a small compact office or, you know, like even in your own like, well, I guess office at work, there's something about, you know, when you eat lunch or anything like a snack at your desk and you have to like, I don't know, especially with like your fries, your sauces, I don't know, your nuggets and whatnot, like you have them like in different spaces and they're like, you don't want to like mess up like, I don't know, your papers or, you know, like get stuff on your, I don't know, your laptop or, you know, your keyboard and whatnot. And you have, like, no place to put any of these, like, you know, little, these foods or your drink. You don't want to spill your drink on your, like, on your computer and whatnot. So in that respect, I can see it. But while you were talking, I was also thinking about the fact that, you know, since this thing comes with a heating source... (laughs) At what point is there going to be that first light, uh, that first case of somebody suing McDonald's and or the makers of this thing for this thing catching fire because you got a little crazy playing Tekken or I don't know what the the hottest game out there that you shouldn't that you should not have been playing on your computer while you should have been working and you set fire to not only your your chair but also the uh, I don't know the office. Okay, that could be a problem, yes. <laughs> I, I'm assuming that because of the fact that, um, first of all, I don't think they're mass producing this. I think this is a single gaming chair that they created according to, to Gizmodo.com um, mm-hmm. in order to kind of highlight. So I, I there's a risk of lawsuit, what I'm trying to say from that one person. <laughs> So if you're that one dude that fell asleep, you know, and got the promotional chair, then dude, I, I'm I'm sorry for you. <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking like, you know, little comic book boy or, you know, gamer kid, like, you know, basically like passes out like, you know, while playing a game and then next thing you know, he's he basically is McCrispy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that shouldn't be He's funny, like, but was, it is. Yeah, I can't wait for this. <laughs> I can't wait for like Ben Crump to like you know, or whoever like you know, come out with that lawsuit. And be like, he was playing diligently in his chair, <laughs> and all of a sudden, <laughs> would Ben Crump travel internationally for this? Well, he might because that is the hardest working lawyer in this country. Seriously. Yeah, I couldn't think of another lawyer's <laughs> name off the top of my head. So. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I would hope they put that thought into that. 
I would hope so too. <laughs> hope he is flame retardant. So anyway, um, the giveaway actually just ended, so they should be announcing who won the McCrispy at any time, and we'll be able to um, behold the majesty. But if you get a chance to check it out, it's it's not only just the craziness and just the idea and the audacity of creating this, but dude, it's like this incredibly crazy, like mustard yellow and black. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, that looks sexy. Right. Yeah, they they went above and beyond in the branding of that. <laughs> so it's not like you can even hide that you're writing the McCrispy <laughs> when you're on the game. People will see you on the camera and know that's what you're wearing. Yeah, you could be at your <laughs> desk like saying I'm working, but all of a sudden it'll be like a uh, Tony Stark in Avengers. Oh, he over there. Oh, it's like Galaga. <laughs> he's on the McCrispy. Yeah, he's in the Galaga chair. He's playing with the McCrispy. <laughs> that dude would probably want a McCrispy. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> so good luck, UK <laughs> listeners out there. Hopefully you are one of the lucky ones that got your own McCrispy. So this last story is sort of bizarre because, again, when we actually come together and we talk about stories, this was one where we were kind of going back and forth about. And then we thought, dude, we know this. And then we realized it's literally down the street and made national headlines for us. Yes, a couple towns over. <laughs> I think, honestly, this is the first time in all the years that we have covered news related to food and pop culture. It's one in virtually in our backyard. Right. <laughs> so let me, again, for those of you who are out there, you might be familiar with the franchise company called Raising Cane Chicken Fingers. First I've heard of it. Okay, I'm familiar with Raising Cane. I forget where I first heard it. I think... When I used to live down south, they're very popular down there. Um, I know your sister said that where she is in Texas, yeah, there's they, one. Yeah, they had opened one up not too far down the street from where she is. Well, the franchise um, company is actually based out of Louisiana. So I'm willing to bet when I went to grad school in Mississippi, it's probably where I heard of it. It has a very devoted fan base that are known as Caniacs, right? And again, as the name probably invites, they're known for selling one particular item. Chicken fingers, right? Okay. If you go to their, you know, their online site, you'll probably see the little versions of chicken fingers they have. Again, it's really, really good, well-seasoned. One of my favorite places, if I wanted to get my chicken fingers on, that I would like to go to. Well... <laughs> Raising Cane is looking to expand beyond the South. And one of the target places they're looking to grow into is Indiana. In fact, I believe that they have a spot in Indianapolis, I'm going to say. And I know they have a place, I want to say, in West Lafayette. So they've been making their way up to northern Indiana um, for the past few years. And one of the places they decided to invest in is a place called Holborn, Indiana, which if you've not heard of it, don't worry about it. Most people haven't if you don't live here. But Hobart, Indiana is home to the popular South Lake Ball. 
So it's kind of an expansive place. In fact, Big Daddy can probably tell you it has his own bizarre history where at one point, I think you were sharing with me, there were two malls and then it was at the mall was tied to another city and Hobart just kind of walked in and Columbus everything. <laughs> They're like, this is ours and this is ours and this is ours. And they kind of annex all of it, right? Is that how it came to be? Uh, yes, basically the South Lake Mall was originally, my man, if my memory is correct, originally was the property of neighboring Maryville, Indiana, which also housed the Century Mall. And somehow uh, the two things that, I'm sorry, the one thing that separates Century Mall from South Lake Mall is maybe about a mile of distance and uh, one big expressway called uh, I-65, which literally is right down the middle. Like, it basically separates kind of the two areas. But, yeah, at one point, they got, sorry, and this is now about South Lake Mall, but uh, basically South Lake Mall was annexed in a deal to become uh, the tax property of Holbert, Indiana. Right. And I know you're probably wondering why this is pertaining to the story. And I promised at the beginning of the story that all three stories would be tied to McDonald's. And we started talking about someone called Raisin Kane. Right. This will make sense in a second. So anyway, when they had their whole annex brief, right, and they decided to act like our dog where every toy in the house is his, <laughs> no matter who it belongs to, the cats, our toys, doesn't matter. It's all his. So anyway... This company decided that, hey, we want to move in the Northwest Indiana. It's adjacent to Chicago. They do have sites in Chicago, by the way. So they've been trying to come here for a while. Okay. And I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> you may have to if the yeah. story doesn't shake out. So basically what they decided to do was they entered an agreement with one of the properties that were annexed and it changed hands as far as ownership. But this was Raising Canes, right? Right. Um, so this the property they were acquiring was this closed TGI Fridays. They were going to take it over. They spent millions of dollars. They entered a 15-year uh, lease agreement um, by which that they would invest millions of dollars into the community as they were trying to grow this. So what happened was... They found out that they couldn't build the restaurant after investing all of this money in the lease. And the reason why was that the McDonald's that's also in the property had exclusive, quote unquote, chicken rights. <laughs> quote unquote, chicken rights. So the company by which its only job is to sell chicken fingers and who signed a, a lease agreement to sell chicken fingers could not do it because the McDonald's that was next door had the right to sell chicken and only McDonald's in this whole area. <laughs> McDonald's is not even known for chicken, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, they have chicken, obviously, dude, but... <laughs> I mean, just imagine... Okay, you come into this, and and it's... You come into this area and it's really, really big, right? They signed the agreement. They started renovating the property. 
they're already on the hook for over $2 million in rent for a property now that it can't use. And why, you ask? Because McDonald's holds the exclusive rights to sell, quote-unquote, deboned chicken products at the South, um, at the shopping center. And they own that right in the shopper center for all time. <laughs> what was your word? Impaturity? <laughs> Perpetuity, yes. Perpetuity, yeah. So they actually just started a lawsuit that made national news. And the defendants are claiming that the McDonald's knew about, I mean, Raising King, not the defendants. Raising King mentioned that the defendants knew this, but apparently didn't care. And so they made them sign the rental agreement, and now they're on the hook for that. So they're alleging that they suffered significant damages, including now it's forced to look for a new location. It already sunk more than a million dollars, as I mentioned before, for actually renovating and building a new building, where it was already marketed that it was coming for weeks. Like, we've driven past this and go, oh, Racing King, it's coming. Yes. (laughs) And the damages include over a million dollars in development costs, including costs Incurred the diligence, permitting, plans, demolition, prep, and construction costs. Um, and they're estimating that there's additional millions of dollars in lost profit they'll incur from this loss um, as a result. But here's the weird thing if you go to this site, guess what is across the street? <laughs> which, which makes it so bizarre. Get is what is exactly across the street from this McDonald's that's the center of the lawsuit. And that is? A Chick-fil-A. <laughs> a Chick-fil-A. So the bizarre thing is if they were across the street, they would legally be able to sell the chicken fingers, which again, is their only reason for being. <laughs> now, according to Racing Game, what makes it so bizarre None of this came up when they started negotiating the lease last March. And so they made no, there was no confusion, according to the lawsuit, for its intent to sell chicken fingers, especially given, quote, that its whole business model revolves around selling chicken fingers. Right. (laughs) So there was no misunderstanding. And apparently the exclusivity deal finally came up earlier this year. When the crossing of Holbert asked McDonald's for a waiver to let a Chipotle move in, which is actually bizarre because there's also a Chipotle across the street. <laughs> McDonald's said no. And then in the corresponding letter back, they said, oh, and by the way, that Keynes is going up. Yo, that's going to violate our agreement, too. So y- you can't have it just selling chicken willy nilly here. Like they just have to drop <laughs> this little nugget. Exactly. <laughs> That's a perfect word for it. They dropped a nugget. Yes. <laughs> Raising Cain, according to the lawsuit, could not have anticipated the exclusive use provision, which was executed more than 25 years ago between two entities no longer operating at the shopping center with Barr's ability to sell chicken fingers at the shopping center. And so they relied on the defendant's materials omission and making this decision to own and op- open an operation a restaurant at the shopping center site. And so as a result, they're like seeking damages. Yeah. So, so 
there's a lot of bizarre stuff going on here. One, I think it's hilarious because if you first go to this McDonald's, it's not like, okay, clearly you don't go there for the chicken. No, no, you do not. <laughs> you go there for the McRib. No, no, you don't. <laughs> Baby, let it go. It's, it's time to say goodbye. I tried. <laughs> Second of all, there's literally chicken, other chicken places in the area, right? Like, that's what makes it so hilarious. If you cross the street, literally, you're looking at a Chick-fil-A. Okay. <laughs> Look, am I allowed to jump in at this? Yeah, go ahead. Go okay. ahead. Okay. Here's my... Because <laughs> apparently I'm, I, I've grown up around here. Yes. Um, Let me do my best to attempt at geography better than the Ask 65 example. Okay. My geography is this. The South Lake Mall is this kind of big property that's, you know, it's on the south, it's south of this long of uh, U.S., uh, it's a long road, U.S. 30. Okay, U.S. 30, east-west, uh, runs uh, one way, and now we have the South Lake Mall, which is just south of U.S. 30. It's the property south of U.S. 30. Okay. The Crossroads Strip Mall, as you would say, is north of US 30, basically across the street. The McDonald's is on the north side of US 30 in the Crossroads. The Raisin Cane's proposed site is also north of US 30 in the Crossroads, but there's at least a half mile between them. Right. They're not next door. Right. They're not even in the same, I guess you would say, like a little parking area. Right. Is There's at least a, you know, a couple of entryways between the two properties. We'll start with that. So it's not like McDonald's had, like, a media competition, like, right there. They're literally like a half mile between each other. On the north side of U.S. 30. But they're in the same kind of like mall. And, I'm sorry. In the same type of kind of like, you know, structure of like little stores. Okay. Now, south of U.S. 30, once again, on the South Lake Mall side, as the Goober illustrated, is Chick-fil-A, which is also, give or take, about a half mile from the McDonald's, but on the south side. And this actually may be almost pretty close to facing, you know, each other on the north-south side of the Raisin Cane's proposed site. Right. So they're kind of looking at each other, the Raisin Cane's and the Chick-fil-A. But seemingly they could get along. Now, as the Goober also illustrated, there are other chicken places, including that there's a Popeyes. Popeyes. There's a KFC. <laughs> um... I think there's another chicken restaurant I can't think of off the top of my head. That's a little bit further down the street, but this also on the south side. Plus, of in the mall, US30. there's places in the mall that you can get chicken. Right. So it's not like there's not chicken sold all over the place. Oh, there's plenty on the <laughs> south side. And there's plenty, like, you know, they are across pretty the street chick. up the bend of US 30. But oh, they're good, but as long as you're in that crossroads area, oh, no, you violated chicken rights. You can't, no, no, you can't, no, you can't put your property up in here. So, all we doing is selling chicken. 
So check a raisin cane filed their lawsuit in Texas federal court. So that's why when I was reading the story and I was just like, oh, wait, it's based. No, this is like, like we drove past this yesterday. <laughs> so it's very rare that we encounter a story that we cover on the show that we know the place so intimately. But you know what? Here at the Gourmet Goober podcast, Raising Kane, first of all, not that I'm trying to get into anybody's business, but as someone who loves Raising Kane, I'm hoping y'all win this lawsuit because their chicken fingers are really good. One. Two, we at the Gourmet Goober podcast, we are helpers. So if Raising Kane <laughs> decides that they really want the spot and they can't get out of it, but legally, they cannot sell the chicken fingers, you know, that's in their name. <laughs> what do you propose that they can sell <laughs> besides chicken fingers? Besides chicken fingers? Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, well, what do you know for Well, we make chicken fingers. Uh, well, I guess you can't sell chicken fingers. Well, wait, what wait, wait, wait. Sell? What if they decide? Because remember, okay, remember when KFC last year had, like, the impossible chicken nuggets and those were fire right we didn't want to like those but they were really good yeah i freely admit i I did hit those pretty good so what if they sold like the impossible chicken fingers version of that then legally mcdonald's can't say anything because that didn't exist when they signed the contract 25 years ago you know what? That's that's a pretty decent idea. Yeah. I like that. See? At the same time, um, did we or did we not have a conversation about, was it Cracker Barrel selling like impossible chicken or beyond chicken or something? Yeah. Or beyond meat and their, their breakfast sausages. and. Oh, yeah, that's right. And people thought that it was the kind of America. Because yeah. they had impossible sausage. Yeah, we're still in America. So <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't want people to, like, you know, lose their mind because you're selling them, like, you know, fake meat. They don't take that too well. That is a pickle. <laughs> I ain't putting dampers on anything. I'm just telling them. <laughs> hey, know your audience. <laughs> so with that in mind... I'm really praying that they win the lawsuit. <laughs> I am too. I'm also like thinking in my head, like, okay, if McDonald's was so like up in their feelings about it, I think they should help, you know, Raising Kane's move. Yeah, that could be the case. Yeah. Be like, well, you know, if you want us to keep these rights, if you're Raising Kane's, you just tell them like, hey, make it worth our while not to like take you to court because, you know, we could, we could take our little, you know, a little raisin canes down the road if, you know, you chip in on this new site and help us, like, you know, decorate it. I'm just thrown by McDonald's literally having exclusive chicken rights of all the restaurants. Yeah, especially for one. I'm like, okay, I could see if Popeye's was mad, but... Yeah, exactly. You're McDonald's. (laughs) Not McDonald's. McDonald's. So on that note, knowing that now we've probably ruined any chance of collaborating with McDonald's after this episode of the Gourmet Goober, we're going to take a quick break. (laughs) 
And then when we return, we will talk about the best thing we ate this week. You're listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast, and we will be wait right a minute, back. wait a minute, wait a minute. Do what? you think, uh, like, do you think the McCrispy? Do you think that uh, King Charles has a McCrispy chair now? I really doubt it. We don't know what you know what Chuckles is into. <laughs> he might for be many down. many reasons that we will not discuss right now. I'm not going to go down this road. <laughs> oh man. We don't know what Charles, I'm sorry, King Charles is now into. He might be playing. I'm I'm pretty sure that that is not the case. But um, damn it, you got that in my head now, so you suck. Okay. So we're going to take that break. You're listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast. We'll be right back. This is JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober, and I'm here to share something super exciting um, that the Gourmet Goober is launching its first newsletter, appropriately called Gooberland. <laughs> so it'll launch this fall, and inside the newsletter, you'll get access to interviews, recipes, and other exclusive content. So sign up now. You can do so using the link in the show notes. You can also go to thegourmetgoober.com and sign up there as well. So hopefully you'll join us and be a part of Gooberland. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. I'm JJ Outlaw. And T. Outlaw here Uh, again. And we are back with the third segment of the Gourmet Goober podcast. And this is where we discuss the best thing we ate this week. And that includes restaurants, stuff we made at home, Stuff we got from a friend, rare grub that we got on the go. Basically, if it's good food and out there and we tried it, we'll tell you about it. (laughs) I'll make it simple. (laughs) As always, if there is something that you had that you really love, you can always hook us up at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. Again, email us at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. Let us know and we'll include it on the show. Um, If it's something that we feel the audience needs to hear. I, for one, am really excited because we've not talked about this in a long time. Um, I miss doing these segments. By the way, just as a side note, um, as we mentioned in the first segment, we are going to have a mini episode where we talk all about London and our time in London as far as the places we went, how to get around. How um, we survived. (laughs) How we survived. And just um, going along with that, we will also share the places that we ate in London. Okay, so that does not include that. That'll be in its own segment. Um, Because as we talked about it, the whole trip was sort of an experience, as you can imagine. (laughs) So anyway, Big Daddy, as always, we start with you. What was the best thing you had since we were last on the mic? And well, I know that's a big ask because we haven't been on the mic in a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. But I would also like to start with... Before you go into that, that reminds me, the unit of measure. The unit of measure. You know, it's been a minute. It has been a minute. <laughs> but you can go ahead and explain to them what the, the our discussion about the unit of measure would be. See? You do use it. 
what that meant was okay on Twitter lately. Um, there was actually something that Big Daddy and I were talking about about units of measurement that is common in the black community. So, for example, um, someone recommended just a teens. So, like, if you're seasoning something, you know, teens, you add a little bit. It's kind of between, like, a, you know, a mixture of, I don't know, like, it's more than a pitch. Yeah. But less than a tablespoon. It's a teens. <laughs> you know, a whole grip of um, a minute, which actually could last for just a minute or longer than that. Right. Um, I personally like 511. 511 does not exist at all in the English language. There's not going to be like a 511 dollar note. Yeah, but it's like, you know, I asked you 511 times. <laughs> exactly. To your taste, which is a measurement. So, <clears throat> I, I personally like a swig or a, a swallow. Okay. A swallow is like the classic black ass unit of measurement. And maybe I'm giving away too much because <laughs> I'm not encouraging people to like dive into um, African-American evacu- um, in English, so to speak, A-A-V-E, because vernacular English is what I meant to say, because that's its own language. <laughs> and I'm not inviting you to know what, how I dis- I talk when I code switch. That's it. I love a swallow. That's when you like. It's like there's only a swallow left in the in the, the ju- you know, milk jar and the juice jar. Right. Okay, you ever go to the fridge? Like if you live with somebody, right? And you go to get your juice or your water or whatever it is. There's like Kool Aid. For what I was growing up, is Kool Aid. Yeah. And you open up the container. And there's just like a little bit left, like literally just enough to wet the bottom. That actually has a unit of measurement in the black community. It's a swallow. It's a swallow. Or a swig. Like you just left the swig left. Yeah. What the hell? There's like a swig. And usually there's a purpose behind it. Going back to the Kool-Aid example, my siblings and I, whoever's guilty of it, would leave that because what ultimately happens is you don't. You're too lazy to make a new jug of it, or you're too lazy to go and buy another one. So you just left a little bit for laugh for whoever's there, knowing that they will have to do it. That's the real purpose behind it. So it's like passing it off to them. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so that would be a swallow or a swig. Yeah, my hard <laughs> contribution to that because I struggled to come up with something was like you know. You know, when you have to add seasoning to something and you say, like, how much you put in there? And I'm like, I put enough in there until the ancestor says stop. stop. Yes. That is also a very well unit of measurement used in in cooking. Yeah. That was my thing. Like, you don't, like, for people that don't look like me, (laughs) that don't know the concept of, you know, when they say, like, you know, how much did you put in there? And they say, like, a little pinch or a sprinkle or whatever. Or a teaspoon. And you have, like, a whole chicken, and you're just supposed to do it with just a teaspoon? Yeah, you can't yeah. just put, like, a teaspoon of salt or pepper 
on a whole pig or a whole a thing turkey. of turkey <laughs> and say, okay, this is the measurement we use. Now, you just sprinkle until the ancestors say stop, stop. <laughs> or enough until it just all falls off. My new unit of measurement is now called, I'm calling it a slap. A slap? A slap. Oh, we got to make this work now. Yeah. What is a slap? A slap is pretty much in, please forgive me for those who don't know. You remember how in earlier episodes I say like, you know, when I am, you know, working with like, you know, a thing of brisket <laughs> or like a, a pork and you inappropriately <laughs> touch your meat, like, you know, you rubbing it, you know, you dry rubbing it and you just rub it. But you got to get all the seasoning in, right? You got to like get it in there. Yeah. You got to make sure it's like owned and attached. <laughs> but the thing is that like, you know, when you like, you know, you want to make sure it's like good and attached, what you have to do. You can rub it or you can just, you got to put that, that good hard slap on it. Pardon me. Please give me my slapping technique is off right now because I don't it, have a piece. But it's but a slap of measurement though. You want to, you want to go in there and find out? And I mean, slap is a technique. So how is the measurement? So are you saying you just put a slap of seasoning on it? You put enough until it stays on. That is a measurement to me. Oh, I see. I see. I see. And that so, and and this is all this is all important, right? Because once upon a time when the gourmet goober used to be a food blog, right? One of my biggest challenges was some of the recipes I shared, like my aunt Verner's, um, my great aunt Verner's um, chicken and waffles, or my chicken pot pie, and I realized I don't have like. I, I don't have a, like a measurement because I truly measure all my seasoning until okay that looks right you know like you you feel uh, you feel Vernon's tap on your shoulder and like hey okay that's enough mm-hmm. <laughs> that's literally how I do it <laughs> that's how she did it that's how my great grandma did it like my I will never share my grandma at the Lions gumbo recipe because I have no way to like quantify it. I, I just like, okay, that rule looks good. <laughs> we are there. Yeah. And we are there however long it takes to get there. 20 minutes, 45 minutes. No, that's that's it. You just know. You know, the heavens open up. You feel that tap from great, you know, my great grandma Adeline. Okay, that's good. That's good. At the filet. <laughs> that's pretty much what happens. Yeah, you go to the ancestral plane, <laughs> and the ancestors have spoken. You have done enough now. Oh my god! Sorry, you mean all this time where we're watching Black Panther and we see the ancestral plane? They're really up there just waiting to tell us how to season our gumbo. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! If you ever really like, for those people that actually watched, you know, Black Panther and or like a certain Marvel movie. Oh, okay. Are you talking about Thanos and making gumbo again? If you looked at the Thanos was not making gumbo. Okay. First of all, okay, the Thanos example. If you like, you know, when Thanos was in his like little, I don't know, little cottage or where the hell he was into when they showed up. The goat, the garden. Yeah, the garden and whatever. We didn't know what Thanos was doing while he was in the garden. Thanos was collecting his seasoning because Thanos was making gumbo. 
and the you know whatever this whatever iteration that he snapped away, the remaining Avengers showed up. And, and they, they messed with him while he was making gumbo. That is my interpretation. One. Two, the ancestral plane. Were y'all really paying attention at the ancestral plane? They were waiting. They were walking around waiting to tell you when it was time to stop. <laughs> the herb that's supposed to include, like, you know, the heart-shaped herb or all this other stuff. Right. There was more than just that heart-shaped herb. There was more seasoning there. There's paprika. There's paprika. <laughs> There's chili powder. <laughs> you know that purple stuff? Wait, wait. That was wait, per- yeah, that wait, was some other thing. There's some Morton seasoning sauce. There was some more seasoning. There was some obey seasoning up in there. There was some vegeta. There was some well, okay. <laughs> Look, you know you guys out there, there's something that Eastern Europe has. That you need to get your hands on. It's called Vegeta Seasoning. Big Daddy knows it's like a level one emergency when we run out. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, that was where your Lowry's. That was where your, what's the, uh, that was, you know, for, for the people that also don't look like me. Um, my, my brothers and sisters down south. Um, there was also the ancestral plane. Maybe a slightly different ancestral planes where they had the Goya. Oh, okay. Yeah. But nonetheless, that is where. Are you talking about the adobo seasoning? Yeah, however it goes. Yes, the adobo seasoning. So, anyway. (laughs) I know that I fell off and I know I was supposed to talk about the best thing I ate this week. No, 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 no. No, no. That was my fault, first of all. (laughs) Second of all. I'm sorry. I was just amusing myself by the idea that the cookout on the ancestral plane must be lit. <laughs> you notice there were no angry folks on the ancestral plane. They looked content and happy because they were fed. They knew how to season their food. Their cookout must be lit. Okay, now that I'm Totally revealed myself. You know who's on the Ancestral Plane? James Brown. Aretha Franklin. They had good music, too. Did you see the brothers, you know, the brothers and sisters that was playing dominoes over? Oh, wait a minute. They they had the dice game. The spades. Don't be giving away all this stuff. Those were the ones that are off camera. You know, there was more going on in Wakanda than, like, you know, being a panther. They was playing dominoes up in there. Okay, so now. Anyway, <laughs> now that I'm gonna save that for the uh, our Black Panther mini. Yeah, episode. we're gonna include that in our mini episode. <laughs> yes. Uh, so on that note, what was the best thing you had since we've been on the mic? Okay, so I'm just gonna make this short since <laughs> or I this took up week. <laughs> right since I took up all the time. The I'm just gonna say it's real quick and easy. Uh, the best thing I ate this week was uh, was chicken. That was not from McDonald's. <laughs> uh, it was uh, from one of my favorite places because that's what I do. Uh, Popeyes, it, just this after, uh, sorry, this past 24 hours, like I had a chicken sandwich, of course. And it was a chicken sandwich that was uh, blackened and spiced. Had a little kick to it. Um, partook of it. It was actually pretty good. It was not as 
sassy as the um, the original chicken sandwich that they put out there. Everybody lost their minds over. But I gotta admit, it it took a little little while to get used to, but I'm I'm coming around to it. It was actually the best thing I ate this week. Had flavor to it. Came from Flavor Town, but not Flavor Town that you think, but just Flavor Town. It was flavorful. <laughs> so. For those who know, um, I almost said McDonald's again because we've been talking about them. Popeyes, as you said, has just introduced another sandwich. Um, Although I don't think this is going to spark off a new chicken war because it's a blackened chicken sandwich. Right. So it's more tied with its Louisiana roots. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's a basic blackened chicken sandwich, but it's really, really good. I know I... I got you the um, the chicken, the classic chicken sandwich. I actually got um, this spicy blackened chicken sandwich. So it has the same sauce that they put on the spicy chicken, um, the regular. So I, 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 again, don't envision this will spark off another Chicken War 2.0, <laughs> which we had so much fun covering. But that said, it'll, for those that are more um, big fans of traditional Louisiana blackened um, chicken, that fair that of which Popeye's was known for um, for many years, especially if you go to the original ones down south. Um, yeah, they're really, really good. So kudos to them. And I have to agree, although... I'm really shocked because I honestly thought that you were going to choose what I was going to choose as the best thing we ate this week. And actually something that, okay, I have to apologize to you because <laughs> I did trick you into eating <laughs> it. <laughs> but you liked it, right? You liked it. It was really good. I was set up. But you ate it. You ate a lot of it before you found out what it was. Yeah. So... Anyway, and an effort for us to be healthier, I think I've talked about on the show previously how we have previously adopted, whenever we can get to it, rather, Meatless Monday. Um, And this past Meatless Monday, what I created was tofu black bean um, burritos. And I found a recipe, which I'll share online on our website. And I have to say, I, I, I've i cooked with tofu before. I'm not really a fan of it because of the consistency of it. It's kind of, I, I know it sounds weird because I pride myself on being an adventurous eater. But preparing tofu, sometimes it's a challenging thing, right? Because it comes out and it's like in the square and it's kind of squishy and it's full of water. And it just feels kind of icky, right? I mean, there's no, I've never met someone who really loves working with tofu. <laughs> and that's, this is coming from someone who used to work at the dark center where it's exclusively shares like vegan and vegetarian meals and keeping with its dedication to having a more um, sustainable diet that they present to the students. So I really got into cooking with a lot of vegetarian ingredients while I was there, like tofu and seitan and things like that. Um, That said, I found this really awesome recipe for 
um, a taco um, burrito seasoning that's very simple. It's made with tofu, it meets with black beans, it has taco seasoning, you crumble off the tofu. But the whole thing is that by the end of the preparation process, it's really close to me. I was actually quite surprising and the texture that it does it like you you honestly thought it was more of a meat protein before I slipped up and actually told you it's tofu. No, you didn't slip up. <laughs> you intentionally <laughs> set me up, led me astray, you bamboozled me. No, she she kind of called me while I was working and said, "Hey, do you want some dinner?" Oh, sure. Okay. Well, she's like, "Okay, I'm making some burritos." Oh, okay, cool. I'm not. I don't eat burritos a whole lot, but I'm like, "Okay, I'll try a burrito. I'm good." You know, I do that every once in a while. So then, uh, a little bit later, she came back to me with, uh, "Were there two burritos or one big one?" What? I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember what it was. It might have been just one big burrito. Oh no, I gave you two. Okay, so two burritos. Okay, and uh, I, w I was I wasn't quite paying attention at first because when I was you know it was kind of late. I was hungry. I was working at my desk in my office, and uh, I, I freely admit I, I got caught off guard because I wasn't paying attention, and it did come across like I could definitely taste the black beans, and I could taste the seasoning. And somewhere in my mind, I thought that it was kind of like a chorizo base. And maybe like, you know how you, you taste like something that's kind of like chorizo adjacent? And you're like, well, maybe, you know, she had black beans and maybe like, you know, straight chorizo, maybe like a different kind of chorizo, maybe like a soy chorizo. And I was like, okay, maybe that was it. And I'm like, I'm hungry, so I didn't really care. And then the next day, she told me what it was. And I couldn't, well, I was disgusted, but at the same time. <laughs> you were I, disgusted, but you raved about it for a while. You I did mean, enjoy I wouldn't it. say I raved about it, but yeah, I you said it. You enjoyed it. I, I admit <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was a good, it was a good mixture. She slipped it in on me. I would not eat, you know, tofu by itself, but you know, if you slide it in and hide it from me, I guess I, it was, it was workable. Well, if you guys want to try the recipe, which I highly recommend, um, I, again, will post a recipe on our website. And it's, you know, it's a good change of pace. It's, it's, if it's something that you want to throw in occasionally instead of just meat. Um, it was something that I prepared in part because every so often I want to challenge myself with a new way of cooking that I don't normally do. Um, and I don't do meatless Mondays as often as I feel that we should. Um, no judgments for anyone else. That's just us. But yeah, I'm glad that you liked it. And it was pretty darn great. So kudos to um, the original recipe writer, writer who came up with it. So on that note, let's wrap things up because I think we had a pretty eventful episode. <laughs> so Big Daddy, where can they find you online? Uh, you can find me once again on Elon Musk's Twitter. At Tiala, T O U T L A W, and on Instagram at Tiala Josie Wells. You can find me on Twitter for now, 
until Elon Musk like blows it up. But you'll be finding me at JJ Outlaw on Twitter and then on Instagram at Gourmet Goober. You can always drop us a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. You can also check out the Gourmet Goober website where not only this recipe, but lots more are available. You can also see old press events and just things that we've been kicking around on our side of the net since 2013. So on behalf of Big Daddy and I, I want to take this opportunity to say thank you again for listening to the Gourmet Goober. We're happy to be back. Until next time, happy eating. Happy eating.